Hey everyone, and welcome to the Louisville Podcast. This week in our episode of Message Notes, Gord and myself look at the subject of hope. We really get to dive into this idea that hope needs an object. We talk about what the object is of the Christian hope and really kind of expand on that idea and how it affects our everyday life. I'm so excited that you're joining us and I can't wait for you to dive in and listen in on this subject and this conversation with myself in Gord. Let's jump in. And here we go. Well, good morning, Gord. How are you? Yeah, good. Good morning, Adams. How are you doing? So far, so good. Yeah. I'm primed. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Yes, We usually sure. start off with just something a little light here. Well, here's my, here's my lightness for you today. I'm curious as to what you and your wife, Caitlin, do mm. in your spare time, you know, having friends in and so yep. on. But during these days of COVID, what do you do with that extra time? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, for those of you who don't know, uh, Caitlin and I, we both we have a dog named Teddy. And we lately, we have been taking him out to, uh, because now you can kind of go to parks and whatnot. So we've been going to, actually, we go up to the Crandall baseball field of okay. the Crandall University. And we will just play fetch with them and throw the Frisbee with them and just have a blast. So that's kind of one thing we've been doing. I've, I've personally been doing a lot of reading, but uh, Caitlin, uh, who loves to cook and loves to bake and loves to experiment, one of the things she loves to get every, every Christmas, I like to get her a new cookbook because she just loves to, she, she'll sit in bed and read cookbooks. And she loves to read the stories and all the behind the scenes. So she's been going through her cookbooks, and uh, which is a treat for me because we're... She, so she's been cooking these. Oh, yeah. She's been cooking a ton of stuff. So just over the weekend, she experimented and we had, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce it right, hala, hala bread. Hala bread. Yeah. Yes. So the the not the weaved and sort of braided bread. And uh, yeah, so that was a fun experiment. And, yes. <laughs> and yeah, we've just been having a blast and she's getting me more comfortable in the kitchen and and uh, I, I'm kind of the tip. So did you cook growing up? Not at all. <laughs> No, I'm sort of the stereotypical male who just, you know, I got my craft dinner and my hot dogs and that was about it. But uh, yeah, I'm learning more to cook. I make a mean curry right now. And, oh, attaboy. Yeah. And so I've learned my lesson. Sometimes I put in a, a bit too much, um, oh, what is it? It's a pretty potent spice. Cumin? I think it's the next one up from cumin. What is it? Turmeric? It'll come to me. It'll probably come to All me right. in the middle of this. All right. But uh, yeah, I remember the first time I cooked with it, I think I misread a teaspoon for a tablespoon. Table oh. And it just, <laughs> it was one of those spices where, um, for those of you who eat spicy food, you know that sometimes if it's spicy, you have to keep eating. Because if you stop eating, that's when the spice really hits you. <laughs> and you're done. And then you're done. At whatever, whatever point you stop, you're done. Yeah. So you're like, <laughs> okay, I just got to keep moving, moving, and then get me a glass of milk. Yeah, good, good. But good. yeah. And other than that, we've been, uh, we live in a um, in an old home. Our, our house was built in 1945, and we are the third owners of the house. Wow. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, so we've been kind of making a checklist and going around the house and figuring out, okay, what are some little projects we want to do here and there? Right now, mainly just cosmetic. You know, we're figuring out what color we're going to paint the bathroom and things like that. But yeah. 
Yeah. And then we've been doing uh, a lot of what m- many people have, you know, we've been watching different documentaries on yeah. on Netflix. And we just finished the Michael Jordan one last night, the the final episodes of The Were Last Dance. Were you happy Dance. with the result on that? Well, you know, it's funny. I knew what was going to happen. So, like, I knew... I mean, it's not really a spoiler. It happened in, what, 98? So I knew that they were going to win, but Caitlin didn't. So it was kind of fun to see it through her eyes. But I didn't really know how they were going to tie it up because it was like, and they won, and then that was it. I was curious if they were going to mention anything about Jordan going to play for the Wizards after, which was a few years after, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, a couple of years. Which my friend Steven said to me, he, he did fairly well, but it was nothing... Oh no! It was it was not the Jordan of old. He did yeah, not yeah. dominate, and you know I think which points back to the fact that uh, he didn't have uh, Scottie Pippen, Pip, Pippen, yeah, Pippen and Dennis Rodman, and, Dennis Rodman. and those, you know, um, Steve Kerr. Because oh, you yeah. have to have you have to have your guys the surrounding cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found it. I didn't realize though that the coach at the very have you watched it all or no. Yeah, but you probably know the story. And I didn't realize, though, that the coach, Phil Jackson, that was his name, I think, mm-hmm. that he was actually offered to come back for another year, but not with the same team. Like with the Bulls, but with a rebuild. <clears throat> Ooh. And he just said, no. Well, it'd be hard, I think, to run with those horses and then run with a whole different set of horses. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah. I always got a kick out of the Rodman stuff, though. Like, even at the end, him him showing up on, I think it was, like, WWF. Like... Oh, yeah, like... <laughs> with and, Hulk and Hogan and... and here, here's the thing. Here's the commentary on Dennis Rodman. At the end, no one was surprised anymore at where he would show up. <laughs> oh, I know. Or what he would show up looking like. Yeah. Yeah. But I loved Phil Jackson's sort of comment. Um, people were like, oh, do you think, like, Rodman going and doing these shenanigans, is that going to be a distraction for you in the in the playoffs? And he goes, it sounds like it's more of a distraction for you, you know? Wow. Because he was saying, you know, yeah, he does these wild things, but when he gets on the court. He's all business. He's all business. Yeah. And it was awesome the way they, <clears> shot, <throat> the, the way they shot the documentary, right? He comes back on the court and he's just dominating. Yeah. Makes me, yeah. I could have played basketball. <laughs> so I have a, a pair of those... Um, Air Jordan sneakers, the high top leather ones. Really? I do. Okay. Now, my only trick <laughs> is Michael Jordan's feet were never in them. Right. <laughs> like that that <laughs> pair that sold this week for over half a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, wild. because Michael Jordan's feet had been in them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, just crazy. Yeah. So, Adams, mm. uh, you preached on hope this yes. past Sunday. Yeah. Uh, let's start with a kind of a 30,000-foot. A yeah, the 30,000-foot view of where I was going. Um, yeah, it was interesting as I was getting into this subject of hope, and I, I kind of landed, and, and for those of you who heard it, I kind of kept referring back to this idea that hope needs an object. And, and, it's, and what I meant by that was, like, you know, hope, you, we need something to put our hope into. And, you know, easy examples you could, you could say in our days right now, like I'm, so for me personally, like I'm hopeful that the borders of Nova Scotia will open, you know, so that I can go visit my family. That's something. So that's the object of which a section of my hope. 
but I was, I was talking about there's, there's hope as an everyday thing, just where everybody, that's something everybody can do. You can hope for things. But then as Christians, we, we experience something different and hope goes beyond just, you know, things in the here and now and that there's a bigger picture here. And, and you could either refer to it as Christian hope or, or biblical hope. And my idea was that through, as we read through scriptures, we actually realize that biblical hope and this idea of going through pain, going through tribulation, going through affliction um, or, or suffering, as sometimes we say, biblical hope is where all of a sudden, when we have our object in the correct place, and we'll we'll get into that a little later. Yeah, um, we can actually go through those seasons in life, not rejoicing for them or because of them, but rejoicing in them because we know our hope. We know that through our hope in Christ, through what we read in Scripture, we realize, you know, this too shall be made right, right, and we can see beyond, and we can see that. Specifically in the passage that I preached on in Romans 5 is that we see that when we go through these seasons, we actually start to experience a deeper hope in us and we, we, like, we come out of it stronger, more aligned in what Christian hope actually is at the end of the day. And really, I think my encouragement or what I was hoping, <laughs> it's funny to say that word now, what I was hopeful that people would pick up on is that Yes, we're in a season right now um, that is trying, that is painful, that is, there's there's a lot of different words through it. But if we align our hope, if we put our hope on the proper object, that we can come through this uh, better aligned with, with the character of God, better aligned with the Father's heart, and uh, really kind of seeing kingdom work on the other side of this, and, and, through, and in the middle of this. Yes. Yeah, I think that's... That's my hope for where I was going with it. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like a 30,000-foot view. Um, I was specifically looking in at Romans 5, the beginning of Romans 5, um, just cha- uh, chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. It's just a small little section there. Um, but yeah. So then uh, <clears throat> I, I liked that you grouped hope in three theological virtues. Where'd that come from, by the way? Well, yeah, that's sort of like an old, uh, that's probably, it's, it's, we t- I feel like we typically don't talk about that in our Baptist tradition too much, but that would be more of like a liturgical tradition, the idea of, and sometimes they refer to them as uh, faith, hope, and charity, but I kind of thought, well, love, charity, it's it's a similar concept, and, and I didn't really want to have to explain charity. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I and I liked that idea of of understanding them a little differently to say like, hey, they are more than a feeling, and they are sort of that idea of being a, a which, muscle, which is and, really important, isn't it? Because mm. if they remain as feelings, mm. and if I don't feel hopeful, or if I don't feel faithful, mm. or I don't feel love, um. Some people can make the the assumption, the wrong assumption, that those are gone from us. Exactly, yeah. When, as you point out, it could actually be the opposite. Oh, for sure. And I thought it was neat, too, even in my own study of it, I think culturally 
many people have heard the idea, like, love is more than a feeling, right? But the idea of hope being more than a feeling or faith right. being more than a feeling, I thought, ooh, this this is fascinating. This, mm-hmm. could, this could go down some interesting uh, pathways. So let me take you down one of those pathways. Yeah, for sure. So you called those three that they were like a muscle. Mm. So your faith muscle, your hope muscle, your love muscle, muscle yeah. needs to be stretched and worked and needs to grow. Mm. So where hope is concerned, how does that unpack? Yeah, and I mean, I think this is where it gets really fascinating in that, you know, hope really gets pulled, gets stretched, gets, and maybe pulled's not the right language for it, but just gets mended and gets strengthened um, when we go through trials and when we when we experience like, om- almost when we're experiencing the opposite of what we're hopeful for, right? Yes. And which then it, it aligns us to start being more realistic with the things we are hopeful for. Where it aligns us where all of a sudden we need to really rethink, well, what are the things I'm actually hoping? What are the important things? What are the the main things that I should be focused on? And if we're in a season where everything's rosy and, and stuff like that, too often we lose sight of that, right? And what happens to the muscle? It gets weak. There. It gets flabby, right? Exactly. When it's not tested. Yeah. We make the reference of, uh, of, oh, oh, he's got, he's got um, office worker hands, right, as opposed to farmers' hands. Mm. The difference being, farmers' hands are never soft, right, and flabby because they're getting worked all the time. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that was an interesting idea because I know for me, it was. It wasn't a re- it wasn't a completely new concept, but I thought, oh, this is with where we are right now. Mm-hmm. I thought this is something that could be neat to talk about. This idea that go okay, um, not that we're rejoicing because of what's going on, but that we're in this moment. And we say this is going to make my hope muscle focused, strengthened, and realigned with uh, with what biblical hope is. What what uh, what Christ started and um, and what we're hopeful yeah. to come to completion, right? So let me so let me push on that a little further. Mm. I when I was listening to you and you said this, hope needs pressure, and you went on to to kind of say like trials and suffering, mm. and I put in brackets. That's very counterintuitive. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, so can you count? Uh, can you can you comment on my counterintuitive notion? Well, there? yeah, I I definitely, and I feel like I I even thought that as well. You know, when you read when when you say hope needs pressure and and suffering and stuff, and you go, wait, how how do these things align? How do these things go together? And I loved that um, it was a rather lengthy quote, but I thought it was important for us in our to sort of wrap our head around it. But the Tim Keller quote, uh, absolutely, and where he really broke down this idea of where we are in the West, and this idea of if our whole idea of hope is just happiness, 
that as soon as pain and suffering, tribulation, affliction, as soon as those things come in, everything starts to crumble. Yes. Because in that view of hope, suffering holds no purpose. Yes. Right? It's, it's just a breakdown of what you were hopeful of. Exactly. But in that biblical tradition or the, the theological idea of hope, we go, all right, through these seasons, this is me. I'm, I'm able, it, maybe it's you're able to learn something. Maybe it's, it's that idea of, like you said, the farmer's hands becoming not calloused to the point of like that you don't feel faith or love anymore. You can't get confused with that. But that now they, they hold a firm grip on, on what they should be hopeful for. Yeah. yeah. So now that you're right there at Tim Keller, mm. I would just mention to listeners that the Tim Keller book is called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Mm. It's not one of his newest ones. No. It's an older one. So you might have to look around, yeah. but uh, Amazon may be able to help you out. Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Tim Keller. Mm. And I'd like you to comment, Adams, on this. Um, you made a conclusion that pain propels us, and this came out of Keller. I, I guess it's Keller's quote that you used, yeah. but pain propels us all toward the most important goals, mm. which is so crazy. Again, it's counterintuitive because yep. we're thinking, no, no, pain is going to stop us. Pain is going to mm. misdirect us. Pain is going to even arrest us. Mm. So can you comment on the fact that pain propels us toward the most important goals? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, as I was flipping through my news feed this morning, I saw this post of, um, of someone who shared. They, um, they had found this YouTube page that was quite a few years old. And it was about, it was a, a young boy had started it. And he was probably 12 or 13, 14 when he started it. And his father had walked out on him, him and his family. And painful moment, right? And then years later, this this now man, who was the boy who lost his, lost his dad, walked out on the family, has his own boys. And he created this YouTube page dedicated to handyman work, work you know, how to fix this, how to fix that for boys who didn't have a father. Oh, and I thought, right, see, that is an example of, of like going through a trial, horrible situation, painful, going to leave scars on, on that young boy's life for years. However, realigning his thought of this is, you know, it's propelling me towards something that I can do to make make this whole again, right? Well, because he is uniquely in a position to know what it is to wish you had a father who could teach you something, mm. but he's not there. So now, but he knows the importance of it. Right. Which, which he has learned in a way others maybe haven't learned. It. Right, yeah. And I'd say even for an example that probably we're, we're all experiencing uh, with social distancing, physical distancing, you know, I'm sure many of us, you know, maybe we were in a position where it was like, oh, you know, I forgot to call my parents this past weekend and, 
oh, I'll, I'll just get them next weekend. And then the weekend comes around and you forget again. But now with everything going on with, with coronavirus, it's sort of realigned us of, of more personal connection and more, and more talking. So it's, it's, it's this idea that through pain and that, that like you said, the, um, that the suffering, it can play a pivotal role in propelling you toward some of the most important goals. You go, okay, it realigns our thoughts. It realigns where we should be focusing. It goes, man, I need to, I need to call my folks more often or, yes. or I need to, or even people who are saying, I've never spent this much time with my kids before. And there's there, <laughs> some of it, they're going, oh, I've never spent this much time with my kids before. Whew. But then they're going, this is amazing. We've never had so many family meals together. Right? Yes. You know, everything's slowed down. And and this is what I'm hopeful for. And we've chatted about this before at the beginning days of, of COVID-19 is that what are we going to, what has changed during this time in our personal lives? And what are we going to hold on to when things get back to normal? Yeah. Right? So I heard a joke along that same line. Okay. And I, I don't want anybody writing in and saying nasty things. It's, <laughs> it's just a joke, but there's a kernel of truth in it. This guy says, well, since this COVID-19 thing hit, my wife and I have been spending way more time together. She is such a nice lady. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. 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 She is such a nice lady. Yeah, Who that's knew? that's good. That's good. That's actually, of, of some of the jokes I've seen, that's one of the more positive ones. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. So then let me, let, uh, let's push through this a little further. Yeah, for sure. And there was a Eugene Peterson quote, mm. and I'm going to read it Yeah. and then let you comment on it. Wishing, sure. wishing is our will projected into the future, mm. and hope is God's will coming out of the future. And then he continues, wishing extends our egos into the future. Hope desires what God is going to do in the future. Yeah. That that's quite a stark difference. Yeah. Between wishing and hope. Yeah. And I, and I think what struck me about that quote was that and this could be we've consciously done it, this could be we've subconsciously done it, but we've replaced in our minds the definition of wishing and the definition of hope. And as Christians, there's a big difference. And it's not to say that there's anything wrong with with wishing, right? You know, you could say I'm, I'm, you know, when we say like, oh, I hope things change so that like I can go on my vacation and blah, blah, blah. You go, yep. okay, is that more wishing? Because you had had plans and, and you're hopeful that those plans will come to fruition. But you go, okay, well, is that really hope or is that wishing? It's this idea of your ego, your plans, and you've put them forward into the future and you want them to happen. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a flip where you go, okay, the Christian hope, the biblical hope is, is trying to align our minds with that of the heavenly father to say, whatever he does in the future. And that quote, I didn't, I didn't continue it, but if you look up that quote, um, Eugene Peterson says, and we don't know what that might be. That's at the end of it, right? And that, it's, it's, a, it's the great mystery. But yet, I really believe it, it, 
it sets us free in an interesting way. Yeah. Where we can be, no, I'm, I'm putting this in my father's hands, right? Yeah, I think it puts me, uh, when you said that, it put me in mind of C.S. Lewis mm. in um, the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, yeah. Where someone asked the question, and uh, I just can't remember who, of Aslan the lion. Right. Well, is he safe? Well, no, of course he's not safe. Right. But he's good. But he's good, yeah. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we equate safety and happiness with good. Oh, for sure, yeah. But then you're saying, well, no, hope needs pressure, trials and suffering. Yeah, Yeah, it's tough, right? Like, I I remember, not to go down a rabbit trail here, um, are you you familiar with Louis Giglio? Do you know that name? Yeah, very. And so he's been a great inspiration for me. And by the way, I'll just mention, Mm. if you can look up Louis Giglio uh, messages, do. Oh, yeah. It'll feed your soul. Yeah. Especially the ones where he talks about the the uh, cosmos and, oh, yes, and yes. the stars and the yeah, nebula, nebulae. I think so, yeah. Do I have that right? Yeah. And the, uh, the um, Milky Way and all mm. of that. If you can get to those, you're going to love those. Yeah. And so a study that he did years ago, um, it was horribly named Prayer A Remix. <laughs> <laughs> which didn't age that well. However, On a Friday afternoon with Starbucks coffee in hand, that seemed like a good idea. Yeah, it seemed like a good idea in the early 2000s. But um, <laughs> the content of it, though, is absolutely amazing. And he, he looks at our prayer language, and the gist of what he's getting at is that a lot of our modern-day prayer language, when we come to prayer, is not necessarily the same prayer language that we find in the New Testament. And his idea is that we need to start praying New Testament prayers. And so he challenges this idea of God be with me, God bless me, and then the last one, God watch over and protect me. And so his it, the first two were funny but also challenging where he's like, you know, God bless me. When, when you read the, the New Testament and you've seen that the blessings have just kept pouring out, you know, we've been given all the blessings. Yeah. Right? So why don't we acknowledge his ideas? Why don't we acknowledge that we've been blessed? And then do the reversal. This is where his remix thing comes in. He said, Lord, use me to bless you. Right? Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And then he and then he says, you know, like, be with me. It's like, well, we're two or three or more. Like, this whole thing. He's like, he's here. He's with us. Like, acknowledge it. But then the most challenging one, which I think comes into this idea of hope, this idea of going through suffering and pain, and he said, you know, everything changed in the New Testament when it came to, quote unquote, safety and watching over and protecting. You know, you see Stephen, the first example, right? Yeah. And you go, and he said, you know, you're, you're, he uses the example, you're, you're in the family car and it's a family trip and you're going down to, to Florida with the family and, the, and, the, and you're praying, Lord, just keep us safe on the highway as we go down. And, and it's like, that's a fine prayer. But is it aligned really with what's going on of hope? And you say, maybe we change it to God, whatever happens, let it be used to bless you. 
to realign people's hearts with who you are, to open them up to the to story, glorify you. to glorify you. Yeah. And it's challenging. It's, oh, not, it's not an easy thing to wrap your head around, but man, I think it can really radically change, um, how we see life, how we see God interacting with us. Yeah. Um, if we see so many commercials on TV these days, mm. they're all centered around happiness. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, I don't know, we have become addicted to happiness. Mm. And you, you um, define happiness as exerting control over our lives mm. so that there are always favorable circumstances. Yeah. And, uh, and specifically... Our happiness, so individual happiness oh, is yeah. what shapes that. Right. So, you know, the, the phrase is money can't buy happiness. Right. <laughs> but money then does have the ability to help us control and shape certain circumstances so that they are favorable to us mm. and increase our chances of happiness. Right. What does that have to do with hope? Yeah, I mean, I think um, where I was originally going with that was that idea where I was saying uh, that hope has an object or hope needs an object, something to latch on to. And how in our Western worldview, and this is spilling out into the rest of the world as well, but I think we see it more, more so in our Western culture, um, that happiness has become that hope. You know, we are hopeful for happiness. And then we do everything we can to get that quote unquote happiness. And maybe that's the American dream. And we as Canadians, we kind of roll our eyes at that. Oh, American dream. Well, we're affected by it too. Yeah, sure. You know, we want that white picket fence. And, you know, it's funny. I was, uh, I remember, I remember when I was younger being, I, I could never understand the whole, like, do not covet your, your neighbor. Right. Uh-huh. I thought, well, what? That's not a big deal. I don't care what my neighbor's doing as a, as a young kid. Right. I tell you, <laughs> uh, I know, you know, you go for a walk with the dog and you're like, ah, my neighbor's lawn is just so much better than mine. If only I could have the right thing to do to if, make, if only. And then all of a sudden you're like, where are these thoughts coming from? I, and I was like, it hit me hard. I was like, when I was a kid, I didn't care about this. Why now as like a mid thirties something, and am I like looking at my neighbor's garage and being like, oh man. <laughs> that or the car they drive. Right. Or the house they have. Mm-hmm. Or the deck and barbecue or the pool or the like. Yeah. And it's funny too. I'm married to a banker who, who, who explains to me, Adams, no, 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 no. <laughs> when you see someone with a nice car, just remember they have a really big car payment. <laughs> Yes. Right? Which is good. It's a good thing for me to remember, but it's still hard. You're like, yeah, but I, that's just a sweet car. <laughs> <laughs> but right, it's like, it's so culturally in us that it's to want and to want more and to, and to, to get more. And, and then that's where this wishful thinking and, and hope changes. And you go, okay, what am I actually hopeful for? Am I, am, am I really basing my whole idea of hope on the idea of having a better lawn and a garage and a, and a sweet barbecue. And it's just like, once, once, see, this is the thing. Once you go through pressure points, then it's like those things bubble up to the surface 
and hopefully we realize, oh, that, those are just trivial. They are not all that and a bag of chips. Yeah. Yeah. And once you experience, you know, we've been, we've been discussing as a staff here that we've been, um, you know, seeing God move in big ways, but we're so thankful. Like we're not in a really just try, like we're not, we're not planning tons of funerals right now. Right. You know, and we're so thankful for that, but it'd be a very different situation. Right. If when, when we go through that pain, when we go through suffering and loss, it just really changes the focus. Yeah. Hmm. It's funny. Uh, a few, uh, well, a couple of months ago now, my father had a serious heart attack. Hmm. I was at lunch with a good friend and my cell phone rang and it was a friend of my sister saying, Gordy, your dad's had a serious heart attack. Mm. Uh, his organs are shutting down. You got to get here. Well, it was one of those stormy days in February. Mm. I left lunch, packed a bag, and started driving. And I drove in the snow. Funny what didn't come to mind in that drive. Mm. I'm thinking of getting to the hospital to see my dad, which might be for the last time. Yeah. Now, he came out of that, he's home, he's impaired and, and uh, will be mm -hmm. physically impaired for the rest of his life. Yeah. But it's funny vehicle, bank account, vacation plans. <laughs> None of that came to mind. Right. Because your priorities get focused down to a very few. Mm. Yeah. So then let me let me ask you you also used a quote uh, from Dave Lomas. Yes, yeah. And uh, as we're heading toward winding down here, mm. I'm going to read the quote. Biblical hope is a vision of life that guides itself by faith in God's promise. Irrespective of whether the situation looks optimistic or pessimistic at any given time. I think we like that when it's when we forget the pessimistic part. Sure. <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. And yeah, I mean I, I think it's it's realizing that no matter what situation happens in life, be it be it awesome, be it not awesome. Yeah. That we need to align ourselves in the hope of God's promise and and lean into that. Um I kind of, I put it at the very end because, because obviously I was talking about how hope needs an object and, and, and I said, you know, and Christ and God and, and, and the narrative, the story of, of God's big picture story interacting with humanity and, and, mm -hmm. and everything that is our, 
that is the object, but that can still be hard for people to kind of wrap their head around. Yeah. And I, I tried to break it down at the very end. Um, I didn't know if this was like a weird, like the way I wrote it, but I said, you know, as we look beyond the horizon, so the idea of our hope being in the future sense, our hope is in the return of Christ to make all things new. And then I quoted that uh, for some of the parents, they may have caught this, but it's actually a quote from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Okay. Um, where it says, um, He, being God, will make all sad things untrue. Yeah, and I, I thought it was a great way to express it. Yeah. Because we can find ourselves, like, it, you talk to a friend. The friend is all pessimistic. Hmm. Everything is coming off the rails. Mm -hmm. And you try to explain to them that that's fear. Mm -hmm. It's just a feeling. Right. And it's not what's true. Right. What's true is that we have a hoping God and... and uh, mm. Uh, I've got one more little theological thing that I, I absolutely love because I love this concept. Oh, yeah, for talking sure. talking about it. For sure. But that, but that God will make all of this stuff that makes us fearful and discouraged mm. and all of that, he will make it untrue. Yeah. It is untrue, but we will see it as untrue because yeah. he'll make it so. Mm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I thought was uh, incredible. So, you ready for the little theological, one little last Oh, yeah, for dive? sure. For sure. I'm a real fan of already, not yet. Oh, there it is. And that was my, that was my last, <laughs> that was my last point of yeah. like the, because I was saying how hope is a future sense. Hope is um, an in our moment sense. So like in the present yes. now, we believe that. Christ will, um, he's, he, his presence is with us in our troubles, which we actually kind of talked about a while ago with this peace, right? Like yes. the peace of yes. God is not the absence of troubles, but the presence of God within our troubles. Yes. So there's that. But now I was wondering if you were going to pick up on this. Oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't leave this podcast without going there. <laughs> yeah. And then this idea of the already not yet, which, you know, it's funny. I'll say this in. I think sometimes we, um, who our minds are in this constantly, right? Like we, we work in a church, we, we, um, we teach in a church, and so our minds are constantly thinking about it. And there's certain little theological concepts that we're like, hmm, how can I just throw this in there? Absolutely. <laughs> just have a little sprinkle. Yeah, way to go. So yeah, so tell me, tell me what caught you there then. Well, well no, I, I, it's like this is one of those theological concepts that's been around a long time. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And this like, is not a new concept by no, any means. No, no. Some of the Dutch um, theologians like Ritterboss mm. uh, loved the whole unfolding of God's story. Yeah. And he used to express it in the already, not yet. So there are things we can see now mm. that convince us of the truth of what is not yet. Right. And the ultimate hope in Christ and the return of Christ and him making all of this untrue. Mm. Um, I, I would love for people <laughs> to spend just a little more time 
thinking in the categories of already, not yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think too often, and I don't know where this narrative comes from, but it's it's maybe we get too lost in just the not yet, right? Where it's like we're not, we lose focus on the already, and we go. So what I was talking about was the idea of the the already not yet aspect of the kingdom of God, and so some theological trains of thoughts will say we're not yet at all. You know, the kingdom of God is not even here whatsoever. And that's right. something further down, which is a different theological train. Um, but what I was referring to is that idea of like, well, no, no, no. Like the kingdom of God is here, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, there's, it's not come to its full. Yeah. So, so what if people spent more time focused on what is, already Mm. about the kingdom of god yeah what has god already given us that is meant to bolster and shore up our hope for what is not yet right oh yeah it's like saying you know on days like today the ferry has arrived safely every time Mm -hmm. and then we say yeah but it might not today it, it 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 just might not today. There's a lot of water out there. Mm-hmm. No, but it has. And yeah. oh, there it comes now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's a poor analogy because there's all kinds of holes in it. But yeah. just God has given us enough. Right. To say, here's what you already experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. I think the already not yet is also from a theological perspective, and this may sound weird to some listening, but it's putting a very, very high view of Christ into the mix of, into the mix of, of one's theology, which personally, I'm sure you would agree is an important thing to do. <laughs> well, well, everything, you know, I, I, my, one of my favorite, and this will give away my theological biases. I, I ha- hold a high view of the sovereignty of God, mm, mm-hmm. which means, you know, I've defined it before, but that even his enemies doing their best to oppose him carry out his will and purpose. Right. He will be glorified. Mm. There's no question about that. So even in whether the circumstances, as you refer to it, are favorable or unfavorable, Mm. that's two things. Number one, temporary. And number two, it's part of that thing that pushes, stretches, carries us Mm -hmm. toward the good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's... Like that Jesus storybook thing, right? It's it's basically explaining that the exact same thing that you just said, but in just very simple terms. He will make all sad things untrue. So at the end, God will be glorified. Cornelius Plantinga, in his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, mm. Talks about shalom, the shalom of God, the way things are supposed to be, and that the shalom has been vandalized by sin, but God is returning to a place where shalom will be restored. 
in the name of and by the power of the Prince of Shalom. Yeah. No, that's cool. Really appreciated your work in hope, on hope. Oh, yeah, thank you. It was, it was a lot of fun, and it was a direction that I think going into it, I wasn't expecting on going into. The idea of, of pairing hope with suffering. Um, but I think in our age and in our current moment, um, I think it's one we really need to be reminded of. So yeah. before we go, we, yep. we were just on the verge here. Let me ask you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you agree that we are seeing, not only in these days, but in other days when it's been rough? Mm -hmm. For example, right now we think of the people in Nova Scotia. Yes, yeah. We had um, the 22 killed. Mm -hmm. We had the little boy in Truro. Yep. swept away and has probably drowned, though we don't know it for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, then we have this... Uh, there was the helicopter situation, wasn't there? The helicopter six. Yeah. And, and now, and the, now the, the snowbird um, woman. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, what we need in Nova Scotia is one more kick in the head. Like, yeah. It's just too much. It's just too much. Yet, mm. out of those stories, mm -hmm. almost without exception, comes some measure of we are stronger now, mm -hmm. we're better now, as mm -hmm. counterintuitive as it is, yep. we are more hopeful now mm. than we've ever been. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 hard to wrap your mind around, right? But I think we'll see that, and yeah, it'll be a beautiful thing. I remember uh, a good friend of mine praying for me at my ordination. Mm. Here's what he prayed: <laughs> It's become uh, it's. I think God has answered his prayer. At least I hope so. Um, he says. And may God, and God, may you ring out of Gordon's life and ministry something that will glorify you. Because that's what it would take. Right. It would have to be like a sponge that's wrung out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which to get all the water out. That's what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, right on. Thanks, man. No, thank you. Sure appreciate it. Yeah, and we'll be on next week, and I think you're up, right? Uh, yes, this coming week we start a new series called One. Okay. We're going to talk about uh, the three persons of the Trinity. Nice. So this coming Sunday we're going to be talking about the Father. Awesome. Then the Son, then the Holy Spirit, but that they are one. Awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, we'll see you then. Okay, thanks, Adams. Okay, thanks, Gord. God bless.